0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. You're joined by Sam and Chris. Chris, how have you been?
1: Ah, pretty good, pretty good.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, we had an interesting uh, live stream last night and it spurned a topic idea for this and also I had an interesting conversation with a work colleague, so big shout out to uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff gave me the idea for this podcast, but before we dive into that, Although I've probably put it in the title, to be fair. Do you want to do a wristwatch check or a watch obsession this week? Uh, why, don't we
1: do, why don't we do a... Uh, we're probably both wearing our standard issue, right? You got your uh, yes. Seiko on? Okay. I'm wearing my,
0: the Seiko speed timer. I put it on the stock bracelet. I joked last night that it's it's not great, and I'm still sticking with that.
1: I had my uh, Bell & Ross GMT. I had a meeting yesterday that uh, I had three people confuse when uh, zero UTC was. and so I was like Johnny on the spot to be like that would be five o'clock uh so uh instead of that let's do uh watch obsession what do you uh what do you got
0: well we did a live stream all about watch obsessions last night it was really fun like uh, check it out on the um on youtube guys but I think that I will go with. I'm still saving for that Rolex, and I've probably bored people to death with my mint green oh, day right. just that I'm waiting yes. for. Still waiting, so, for yes, hey, still waiting for it. Right. Still waiting for it. Still waiting for it. So I'll go with that new Seiko Five, the GMT. I called it. I called it the Seiko SKX GMT, but I, I got corrected. So the Seiko oh, right. Five, it, 5 what GMT. What are they calling? It?
1: They're calling the the Seiko or the Five the Five Five KX.
0: Yeah. KX. Right.
1: Okay. Yes. I always you know I'm always ready for the clever Seiko names for stuff so
0: <laughs> yeah I, I want to it it looks awesome I want to really like it maybe it will renew my love for mid-range Seiko mechanicals probably not but we'll see yeah. how it
1: goes I uh you know I have I have I am of two minds uh and I'll and I'll rip the band aid off first uh the the listed spec for that movement is like negative 40 plus 20 or something like that Uh, i don't know why they do it i i know i know i know but it's cool That's fine as long as it's not in as long as they're not putting it out in three thousand dollar watches i'm totally fine with that uh and then my second part of that is i went and tried to find if um uh seiko time instruments is going to release that uh for sale like can can the modding community get it without having to buy a 5kx because i'll just do that i swear to you
0: i mean like (laughs) the tmi you mean uh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah the so the nh35 versus the four four r35 right it's the it's a slightly different naming convention but it's but it's basically the same movement and it's just provided by so you know, so the Na thirty five super popular modern movement uh, hand winding hacking everyone who has you know a seven s two six that that doesn't hack and wants to you know upgrade it without without buying a Seiko turtle back in the day uh, you could you could get the actual movement was about forty fifty dollars yeah. available um, so yeah if they were to make that movement uh, available for less than a hundred bucks boy, would that go into everything. And that that actually delves perfectly into my watch obsession.
0: I don't think I knew that. Is that what TMI stands for, Seiko Timing Instrument?
1: Time Module Instrument, a.k.a. Seiko Instruments, labels the NH Calibers as part of their their basic mechanical. So it's, yeah, it's the Seiko sort of, you know, house, that movement house that, that... uh, third party builds it, yeah. For like other Auto. for other watches, yeah. For other watches, you know. So the, this is again. So if you're you're getting a uh, microband watch, you're gonna get. You know, this is an optional movement for an inexpensive automatic microband watch in the you know a hundred to three hundred dollar range, nh thirty five sort of standard here. Awesome. So uh, so my watch obsession is I was looking at this. The possibility of getting one of these gmt movements and i was like i think a seiko mod that reminds me of the seiko spacewalk i don't know if you guys are familiar with that i posted it up in the discord group one it's a it's a seiko that's been to space
0: this is the spring drive one isn't it this is right it's got right. spring drive movement in it, and for a long time it was the cheapest way to get into a spring drive because I think not a lot of people knew about this watch. Right,
1: exactly. So they did a they did a special edition, and then they did a, a sort of a regular. But it was yeah, it was uh, to celebrate uh, Richard uh, Garriott's uh, celebu trip, is what they say over on uh, a blog to watch to the ISS to the International Space Station that he that he took up there, and he worked with Seiko to get this made and you know they they made a bunch so spring drive gmt totally unique case looks like it's from outer space i'm totally on board i would love to do and i've done i've done a space mod a seiko sort of space themed mod so this is definitely up my alley the reference for this is the sps 5 five j c but it's uh colloquially named the seiko spacewalk and it's a cool looking watch that's been to space and like you said spring drive movement it's got a it's got uh a chronograph some chronograph counter pretty cool so i'd love to do like a th- you know a forehand uh, gmt's type you know maybe find a dial that's real similar to this um and that blue gmt hand is kind of cool
0: wouldn't this be harder because it's essentially a chronograph but in a bullhead configuration
1: yeah so i mean it wouldn't be i wouldn't i couldn't pull off the chronograph so yep. it'd have to be sort of a homage to that. But I think I could find a, a sort of a blank dial feels... I feel like I could find a dial that was similar. I know there's like a case that's uh, that's kind of cool like this. So I don't know. It'd be a fun challenge. So I was just thinking about it. That was my watch obsession. I was just uh, contemplating cracking out all the, uh, the Seiko Modder tools and, and getting to work on something.
0: Well, should we dive into the subject for today and a little bit of a, a bit of a story time this this one came to as an inspiration i was having a chat with a colleague who had lis- who'd listened to the podcast and he'd listened to that podcast i did with the uh, sunil that time where mm-hmm. he talked about how he bought i think i titled it something like how you build an iconic watch collection what you learn from building an iconic watch mm-hmm. collection and then selling them all mm-hmm. fascinating and it, it that podcast more than any others I think has resonated with a lot of people that perhaps are are really into watches but also people that aren't into watches to hear a very frank opinion on a lot of these major brands that Mm. uh, Sunil had and during our uh, conversations a big shout out to Jeff if you're listening we, we have a an internal work chat and in our conversations back and forth I was explaining to him about brands and what the main brands are and ones that you buy for investment you buy with your head and ones you buy with your heart and it suddenly occurred to me that it would be interesting to a podcast based on through as we've been through our watch journey on for me it's been the last eight or nine years Mm -hmm. we should talk about brands perhaps that what we thought about them being non-watch people or being non-watch collectors and then now what we think about them after knowing after learning about them, learning about their histories and their yeah. technologies and things like that, yeah. so yeah. I thought that might make for an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that we try to stay in a in a price point. I mean, I you know we're not we're not we're not talking about Pateks and APS and uh, often on this on this show, and and I think it's because our audience is uh, is not independently unbelievably incredibly wealthy i mean maybe you are congratulations uh but you know i think i think we kind of stick to a more of more of the value brands and sort of discovering those and so uh let's uh yeah let's let's sort of dig in
0: well yeah let's maybe go for we'll go from the the affordable end right up to and as chris says we're 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 talking we'll probably go as high as Rolex and then we won't go any yeah, higher like, than
1: that. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, we can appreciate Vacheron. You know. We can appreciate, you know, that stuff. I could see affording a JLC or 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 a Rolex or or something in that in that level, but uh, but yeah, let's okay, let's start out uh start out at the the uh, the beginning then I guess.
0: Let's start off with the three probably big names in the in the value section. So We'll start off with with Casio, and then we'll go to Citizen, and then we'll go to Seiko. Let's start off with Casio. What did you think of Casio before you were into watches, and has your opinion changed on Casio? I suppose we could lump G-Shock into that as well, if you want. I to. know, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So, G-Shock, Casio, that was my very first foray into watches as a as a kid. So, I can remember... Browsing the uh, Sears and uh, going into service merchandise, which I don't know if our listeners will remember that store back in the East Coast, sort of drooling over the technological marvel that was taking place in the '80s from Casio and with these G-Shock watches that was just uh, they were they were trying everything with sensors and it was it was super you know super cool i feel fondly of them and i still uh i still have one and yeah the, like my opinion i wish that the brand had uh maybe come a little further in the in the uh smartwatch land mm. than, than than they have uh but that's okay that's okay i think i think i still uh you know i still really appreciate a Super tough, waterproof, indestructible tool watch. And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of how it all got started for me.
0: I would totally agree with you. And for our British viewers, the catalogs that I looked through for my Casios were either the Index or the Argos catalogs. <laughs> and I, like you, was, we lived, I feel like we lived through the heyday of Casio, the. 80s and 90s where they were technological marvels weren't they where they bought the calculator watch out that tv remote control (laughs) watch that i had when i was 10 or 11 and i thought i was king of the world i had daydreams in class of controlling cars and switching the tv the teacher's tv off and all and controlling things from my watch i mean these were absolutely casio was absolutely incredible at all sorts of technology i also had we should throw Timex in there as well. They had some mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. watches around that time. But you're right, Casio was incredible. It was that LCD, that digital craze of that time. Mm-hmm. It, it defined mm-hmm. that entire generation. And and you, you're you right, They, I think what they did with the smartwatch is they tried to create a rugged smartwatch. They were A, too late to the game, and yeah. B, the design was all over the place. Right. But I like the way that they've settled down now. They've done basically... I think of it as they've done, well, we tried the tablet, it didn't work, but we're happy it being the Kindle level. And, right. Right. You know, the Kindle yeah. is yeah. highly functional. Yeah. It's perfect for reading books. It is yeah. It is what it is. And they are like the Kindle of sports watches now. So they're more black yeah. and white screens. They, and I think they've definitely played off
1: our our nostalgia. Yes. They they have definitely played on our, nost- our nostalgia for the brand.
0: You know? Oh, yeah. 100%. So
1: So... You know, just like these, like uh, you know, modern sneaker brands. You know, they're they're coming out like they know if they make a red G Shock that that's cool, and and some people are gonna definitely rock that. You know what I mean? There's there's some nostalgia there. It's cool.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I st- I think most collectors have at least one G Shock in their collection. I've got a G Shock. Certainly got a G Shock in my collection. And G Shock. We could do a whole episode yeah, just yeah, on it. A shock changing an entire watch industry ubiquitous across the military it's been into space countless times it is,
1: it is like it's not stamped on the back but that the the you know gen one g-shock is is nasa certified they don't it doesn't they don't use that as advertising or ever but like you look at all of the space shuttle astronauts and half of them just had a just a regular old G Shock on. Them. <laughs> and well,
0: so... That's the thing, and N- NASA have only ever authorized like a handful of watches. It's not like the the blue tick on uh, Twitter or Instagram right. where you can buy it for buy it for the right price. But yeah, uh, well, yeah. well, let's um, let's move on then to well, you
1: had mentioned you had mentioned Citizen and Seiko, Citizen and Seiko, yeah. So so
0: I I can't
1: quite get my head around or or i don't have any strong memories of of citizen Mm. but but seiko it it was it was a brand that i knew about and it was similar in that uh sort of casio in the mall accessible when I was growing up and here's another podcast that we could do an entire show on which is like the ups and downs of you know being a Seiko fan and getting getting my first so uh, my first Seiko was uh, uh, after I did a bunch of research everybody was you know obviously hot for the SKX but then I was like you know I don't I don't necessarily like that I can't hack it and I'm not I'm have a 7-inch wrist so I'm, I could probably wear a bigger watch. Uh so I settled on the Turtle and then you you still have have it. You still have one. Yep. It uh you know and then I and then I got in I was and then I was modding them and then you know we got uh you know basically I would say it was like my gateway gateway to this uh amazing fun hobby. Um, So I can't say enough about, you know, so Seiko definitely, like, it's totally, you know, there's one in the collection, there will probably always be one in the collection, and it goes all the way back.
0: Yeah, I agree. So Citizen, honestly, Citizen and Seiko, I wouldn't have really given a, a second look to before I was watch collecting. I, before I was, the believe it or not, the watch I had before I bought my Omega, Seamaster master was sorry my omega Speedmaster was i wore a cwc military uh british military watch for a while before that and then before that it, i wore a diesel of diesel jeans fame i mm. wore a fashion watch for yeah, a long yeah. long time and i would never have given seiko or citizen a second look and mm-hmm. to be honest when i first started getting interested in youtube and i was watching tgvs i was surprised that he was talking about seiko i'm like oh why would you talk about you have this idea that when you're tuning into watch youtube content it's all going to be like the high-end stuff right. and then you tune into tgv talking about seiko and then you I suddenly started looking into them and i would say 100 percent my my i know i give seiko some stick but i right. I've completely changed in the positive direction towards, towards seiko and I'd say even more to Citizen, because I associated Citizen with sort of those three-handed dress watches that you would, yeah. they used to do like a gold one that you'd see a lot of people wear. So mm. I never gave it a second look. And I think probably I, I've gone, I've got two Seikos now, huge fan of Citizen. I love what they're doing with their high precision quartz. Yeah. I mentioned it on the show. So I would say that those brands that I considered, I guess, value brands or mm-hmm. the 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 everyman's brand that why would you want to collect a watch that you can buy in department store or something mm-hmm. like that it, it to really in the technology and the design that goes into them and and really a, a sea change for me once it's in a second let's move a little bit more up the chain because there's we're not going to cover all brands here because honestly there's a lot of brands i didn't know about at mm-hmm. all before i started yeah but let's go next into brands that i that we definitely knew about before we were going into watch collecting. So I'm going to, this next tier, I'm going to go with with Tag. I'm going to go with Oris.
1: Yeah, for me, I'd, I'd also mention, for me, it'd be uh, Longines. Okay, Longines. Yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I wasn't, long Longines didn't factor for me. But what would you say about... Oris. what well, I'll start with Oris actually. Okay. And then I'll yeah. go to you. I knew Oris from a gentleman called Martin. Uh, shout out to Martin if he's listening. I don't think he will be. But he was my first uh, boss. I worked for an Apple reseller and I was tech support. And then I moved into their retail store and then I was in sales. And he was great. Just a, such a good sales manager. He bought an Oris and I okay. knew nothing about them till he bought it. And I associated Oris with With the watch that he had and he was Mm -hmm. like i think it was quite a new new newish well it wasn't it wasn't a new it was new to me that the Mm -hmm. brand and i i considered them a sort of a mid-range luxury tool watch but Mm -hmm. during i've certainly although i've never added an oris to the collection i certainly appreciate them pioneering work with Salita, some of the Mm -hmm. designs that they've done but I'm i'm yet to add one to my collection but what was you, did, did you know Oris before you started?
1: They were doing some motorsports advertising. I think it was either a rally car or F1 back in the day. And so I I recognized that they were a watch brand and I for me Oris sort of changed. I wanted to really like them, mm. but their integrated bracelet stuff is real hard. And I think they know that and but they've got some other stuff and and to your sort of your point i don't I, you know i'm not i'm i wouldn't uh something might might come along in that i don't i don't have any uh you know i don't i don't feel uh sort of strongly one way or the other with with them other other than i would have you know some some of their stuff would, with the integrated bracelet is, is hard to do. Their brand, uh, they've done some motorsports advertising. Um, and then, uh, you know, come to find out they're, they are, uh, the more I learned about them, I mean, they almost rebooted themselves in the last couple of years as like a, a big micro brand. You know, they they were showing up at some of these like smaller shows. Yeah and uh sort of reintroducing the brand to enthusiasts and that's great and that's great
0: but i've been in that airstream that they they go to local watch stores and stuff yeah. like that they're definitely putting a lot would you say that was grassroots wouldn't you they'd sort of yeah, say yeah. It was grassroots yeah
1: yeah and then um for long and another you know another macy's uh brand that that i was aware of and you know i've uh I I mentioned this on the on the show. I I was unaware that uh mechanical automatic watches existed until, you know, many, you know, a few years ago. So their their catalog has been, you know, they've got a bunch of a bunch of things uh that that have really sort of opened up that's super interesting to me. And I would and I'm sort of surprised that I don't that I don't have one. Like they're they're what's it, their, their chronograph, their big eye chronograph. They've got some stuff that's right in my wheelhouse, some stuff that's right up my alley.
0: Yeah, they're doing they're doing some great work. I, I won't mention long jeans, because honestly, I, I, I didn't know who they were yeah. before I started watch collecting. Wow, so the next one is Tag. Yes. Tag Hoyer And yes. boy, this, before I started watch collecting, when I was a kid, late 80s, Tag was everything to us mm. we thought this was the premium when you made it you mm-hmm. made it by buying a tag mm. and i remember even somebody at uh, school i won't say his second name but mike he had a fake tag and he was <laughs> bell of the ball he, he was this was That's a funny and I actually but it stopped working and i bought it off i bought this unworking tag and i still thought it was cool even though it wasn't working i mean Either this that, was right this was the premium you could even imagine yourself owning one because i think there was one that was like 750 pounds at the time which was that Mm -hmm. plastic brightly colored one but when i was a kid and i imagined i'd made it i imagined that i would own a tag Mm -hmm. and then i think this is the one where i changed my opinion the most on because as i got more into watch collecting and realized the tag was very much a mid-range luxury piece and then as Mm -hmm. i got more into the hoyer brand and learning Mm -hmm. about all of the work that they did and these partnerships they did with breitling and then Mm -hmm. realizing that that tag was the car parts the technologies avant garde or or Mm -hmm. something they started using steve mcqueen's image a lot and and, and that didn't sit well, with me, it, it mm-hmm. seemed like it was stolen history, even though right, they obviously yeah, yeah. owned borrowed, all of Hoyer. Yeah. Borrowed history, and yeah, borrowed yeah. history. Yeah, um, and I didn't really. I've got a good friend James in Australia who collects tags, and he loves them. But for me, that they, they, other than the other than the ones that are branded Hoyer, I think this is the one where the more I learn about them, the more I didn't necessarily dislike tag, but the more I had an affinity for Hoyer and right, the yeah. work that Hoyer has yeah. done in yeah. industry
1: and yeah so- and yeah we and we've talked about that, like how that company f- still feels like two or three companies and other other brands have capitalized on their uh, popularity in the 80s so like the tag link bracelet i mean like i knew what yes. that was when i was a kid like you know like you're you're totally right as far as like an aspirational like you know this is that iconic bracelet watch i can visualize it i had a uh fossil fashion watch that was like a one on you know one to one homage of a an old uh tag link bracelet and and uh the same style and everything and with the with that uh, with that like rounded over metal bezel that like wasn't even designed yeah. to move, <laughs> I mean it could move but like just barely. And then once it got you know two years old, you'd never want to move that thing because it would never move. But anyway, they didn't really capitalize on on some of that nostalgia as as we came into the twenty first century.
0: Yeah, they almost. You could argue that Hoyer used some of the Mercedes hands, and one of the Hoyer models looks a little bit like the Formula One. You could argue mm-hmm. that, but you're right. Un- unlike and
1: and we're moving up here. Unlike Omega, which I think they, I mean, the quartz Seamaster worn by 007, right? I mean, this is to the like you could pick one of those up and like that is a iconic watch. And, you, you know, if you're, that's, uh you know, uh, totally available today. Whereas I think some of that mid 80s, 80s, 90s tag stuff is kind of lost.
0: 100%. Well, well then let's move up the next tier. And, and this tier, we I'm going to group brands together, but we're not going to talk about all of them because I certainly wasn't aware of them. But in this tier, we're thinking of brands zenith and grand seiko and nomos and bell and ross iwc mm-hmm. brightling mm-hmm. and cartier and omega and panerai i guess but i'm gonna just talk about brightling omega and panerai because those were the ones that i knew about before i started watch collecting iwc to a certain extent but is mm-hmm. there any out of that group that you would add in there chris so
1: do we mention cartier
0: yeah, you'd probably yeah, have been Cartier. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, Cartier, I mean, so as far as, like, uh, yeah, as far as ones that I was uh, aware of. So, yeah, I'll tell my quick Cartier. So, uh, yeah, m- mom wants, you know, that's the one brand mom knows. Yeah. Right? So, uh, ergo, you kind of know, you kind of learn that what, uh, what Cartier is all about <laughs> as, as a kid. <laughs>
0: I'll start with Panerai. I knew about Panorai, and I think this is what saved the company. I think I found out about it when the company was saved, and there's this rumor right. that Sylvester Stallone saved the company, and he he's even actually said this in an interview that, or at least hinted it that he did. And I remember the Panorays from the Sylvester Stallone films, right? And they were they just for me they were the action watch. Right. And then as I, as I got more into them and, and learning about them, and I, I would say my, my opinion of them is I like the design and I would like to own a Panerai one day. I know that they've had a bit of trouble back and forth. Apparently the fakes are so good now that they're mm. almost indistinguishable unless yeah. you really know what you're doing. Yeah, and so but did you know of Panerai before you really got into um it? I
1: I want to say I want to say may- maybe but not but not as much as Breitling
0: Breitling's a really good one as, as well isn't it right before um, you get into watches Breitling to me is every pilot wears a Breitling yeah. like every architect drives a Saab Right. It was it was kind exactly. of that like it was it yes, was a exactly. ubiquitous every every
1: yeah every dentist has a a gold Camry yeah got it yeah I got it yeah <laughs>
0: and then uh so so Breitling you just I just I believe the marketing <laughs> every pilot wears a Breitling and then a very good friend of mine Matt who was best man at my wedding he had the Navitimer and it, it he's still got it it looks awesome but right. yeah when you see that rule scale think oh my god this is a real tool that a pilot would use and then uh, yeah, obviously right. we've we've yeah. spoken to naval aviators and pilots who yeah. are like well that's yeah we we have instruments that do that it's just kind of for, for, for nostalgia or for show yeah. but yeah Brightling was definitely uh, it was a pilot's watch and all that but as I learned more of I, I've owned the Annie Digi Brightling B1 I, I've really grown a very warm affection for Brightling yeah Uh, after after learning more about them the history and so on but i presume you i presume you had at least heard about brightling before you started watch collecting yes yeah definitely
1: yeah definitely like right the uh the 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 pilot watch and they and they also they they sponsor a ton of stuff yeah that's true and so you know so it was you know i've seen the seen the marketing before certainly certainly was that same sort of you know like i know this is a this is like the pilot watch i think like you now now that i know a lot more about them it's yeah it's a it's a much like warmer cozier feeling (laughs) than oh yeah they uh you know they they sponsored a bunch of uh surfing competitions or whatever you know like it's they're they're definitely uh and and i think they're going in a in a better direction in the last couple years than they were you know when i first got just got got into watches so
0: well let's go to the heavy hitter then for me which was and what started my luxury watch journey which is omega and i of course knew omega through the uh, the brosnan era james bond film so Mm -hmm. as i was sort of i loved james bond as a kid but as i was sort of coming of age brosnan was the bond for me even Mm -hmm. though unfortunately a lot of those films don't stand the test of time although well, golden eye is the best golden eye for me is the best okay of the older james bond films i would say daniel craig's knocked out some amazing ones but yeah, yeah, the ones yeah. like tomorrow never dies and uh die another day they don't right, really right. The, yeah. you know no, no uh
1: no roger moore no you know it's No, I, like,
0: <laughs> I mean he he did a lot for seiko didn't he, he did but, yeah. Yeah, yeah the um yeah. <laughs> but the one for me had to be the Omega it had to be the the Speedmaster because I loved everything to do with the space and the NASA mm. and I started looking it was when eBay had first started so this was this was early 2000s and probably 2000 and no it was it was actually probably 2006 and I I got very drunk one night and started looking on eBay and I found a Speedmaster for 1500 pounds it had no box and papers, it was bashed right. around. And I ended up bidding on it and won it. And so that was my first <laughs> This is uh watch.
1: this is also why you don't drink anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't
0: drink anymore. But um yeah, this was uh this was my first luxury watch and for ten years I was as happy as anybody with my one watch collection, knew nothing right. about completely
1: it, it, ignorant about it. That's completely great.
0: ignorant yep. like you when it turned up, I was surprised. It was mechanical. <laughs> Although yeah, I had, right? I had a vintage. I had had a vintage watch my granddad gave me that was mechanical. But mm. yeah, and obviously, uh, again, Omega. As you learn more about them, as you learn more about the coaxial technologies and the other mm-hmm. technologies that they've done, you, you can't help but grow a real affinity for them. Uh, so yeah. my my love's probably a lot stronger than
1: yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I didn't know I I recognized Bell and Ross before I got into watches, but I I can't for the life of me remember where or how or sort of how that stuck. And I and I was and then I checked out their catalog and then I it it falls into my, you know, watch aesthetic uh, and what I you know what I want to do, and then the more that I learned about them, the more uh the 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 more I was enamored with the brand and like appreciate the brand because they're they're not trying to be somebody they're not they're a, a technically a newer watch brand in all of this than a lot of these companies. Um, so there really isn't. I mean, they started when I was in high school, so there was no <laughs> there's no way that I would have known about them uh you know back then but uh it's uh it's it's interesting interesting journey uh to to sort of learn all their history
0: oh and the square watch you're definitely so iconic a look isn't it that there is unmistakable that it's bell and ross i think probably i knew about them before i was properly into watches let's go next up the list and for this there's a there's a ton in this category but there's only two that i'm going to talk about because there's only two that i really knew but we're talking about blaupan jegue la culture and ulysse Nadan and Shepard and glashut mm-hmm. and frank muller but the only ones i know about in this higher tier is Hublot and rolex mm. I only knew about Hublot because at that time, early 2000s, they sponsored Manchester United. So all of the players were given Hublot watches and they did have this provenance, although I never liked the look of any of them. They certainly had this prestige about them. I remember them having an air of prestige about them and I think probably maybe Richard Mills captured that footballers footballers mm-hmm. kind of eye now but mm-hmm. i'm still indifferent about them so i can't say that my opinions changed. a lot of people there's there's definitely has its collectors and a lot of people really dislike the brand i think for me what the the most interesting take on who that i've heard is from adrian at bark and jack where he reviewed a who and he said a really interesting thing which i'd never thought about before and maybe you could apply it to other brands, but he said that a lot of watches have functions and features, but a feature of Hublot is that it's expensive. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the specs right. that it is expensive, yeah. and people buy it because it is yeah. expensive and yep. it's a. Uh, is a display of wealth but yeah, yeah. Did, did you know about Hublot before i
1: i i really i can't say that i yeah i can't say that i did uh i not not particularly and then yeah Ro- rolex is an easy one for sure
0: probably i'll tackle rolex first i, I doubt there's many people on this planet that ha- <laughs> it's, that certainly live in a consumer society that yeah haven't heard about rolex rolex is worldwide the crown is is very well known mm-hmm. and you, you when when you're younger you know it for well you know it for two things you know it for the, just the incredible amount of fakes that, that, that there is yeah, right yeah and you also know it as being a brand that is unobtainable that it's only for you think of it as being only for rich people mm-hmm. and then you also think about Rolex as being the most the top of the you think of it as being top right. of the hill yep this is yep. what a luxury a watch is and it doesn't get better than this and I think yep. a lot of people think that and as you get more into watching you're like wow they're actually a really high quality tool watch they are right. not hope right. Horology they are not pioneering Mm -hmm. in movement technologies they are experts at creating for many years the almost the ultimate tool watch in terms Mm -hmm. of the the movements and everything and then I think one of the other things that changed for me is when I started off watch collecting I was like I will never I'll never be a collector that can afford a Rolex and Mm -hmm. therefore I don't like it because it's expensive and then as you get more into watches and learn more about Rolex I've changed my opinion to now where I really would like to own one based on what I know about the movement technology, what I know about the history and what I know about them keeping their value, which yeah. is something that, yes, they're expensive, yeah. but that isn't money that's, that's ever, you're never going to lose money on it. And right, right. also, yeah. also you realize that even though the designs are simple of the watch, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm they're so well executed hence the reason probably why it, multiple brands copy them
1: yeah it it is so because for me for me definitely intrinsically tied their brand building is absolutely amazing to this day just amazing i mean just amazing and so i knew them from motorsports i knew them from you know various various you know championships and things where you know the winner gets a rolex that was a, that was totally a thing i think they are intrinsically tied to that financial district show of, of success, and they have, they have catapulted themselves off of that. So the, you know, the you retire and get a gold Rolex, right, is that's how I think of them. That's how I used to think of them is in the, sort of in the beginning. It reminds me of a saying, no one was ever fired for buying IBM. And I, I, I kind of, I think this is a, that, you know, you're not, you're not gonna go wrong getting a Rolex. Right. You're not going to, it's not going to lose money. It's not going to be a bad watch. It's going to be a great watch. It's, it's one of those levels of you are definitely paying more for the crown. You're paying more for big blue. You know, if you're bu- if you're, and, and the same with all great brands, like you buy Michelin tires, Okay, Michelin tires are automatically $70 more than every other tire, but you're paying for the brand. They're, an, you know, you're getting an, but you're going to get an amazing product. And
0: an excellent restaurant recommendation. <laughs> That's
1: right. There are other brands and products that, that could certainly give you the same amount of uh, of watch for less money, but you don't, but you don't get, and, and early when I was first starting out in this, I, I was sort of, I sort of mad about this, you know, like I'd almost like hold, I, I'd hold this against Rolex. I'd be like, Oh, well, you're just the brand that, you know, people buy. Cause everybody knows you, what you are. And, and, you know, you're going to, and it's, and it's going to stay in value. And, you know, like maybe that's not for me, like commercialism, like I, I'm yeah, going to reject yeah. your commercialism and, And do my own thing but 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 now being in in it for for this long i i have a different take which is your your that your your purchase price includes the prestigious brand the money that that goes along with it the fact that that you can list it and it will not lose value and that everyone everywhere will know what it is
0: You make a really interesting point there, don't you? You almost become quite anti the brand, but as you learn more about Rolex, and the the other thing as well is a lot of people know Rolex because there there was several generations that wore Rolexes. They Mm. wore them for, sometimes for actual real, actual jobs. The Comex divers and Mm -hmm. the Milgauss for people that worked around magnetism and... When you made it, somebody who'd made it had a Rolex. So somebody right. who was like a company director would have a mm-hmm. Rolex. Or, But at that time, they were considerably, they were expensive, but they were considerably more affordable and obtainable than they are now. And mm-hmm. I always wonder about whether it won't affect Rolex, but I always wonder, oh, that's a shame that there was a generation that saw their fathers and grandfathers owning rolex is like an achievement and mm. a precious milestone and now mm-hmm. it's that is something that is only reserved for people that have a significant amount of money but i suppose a lot of things are going that way aren't they like major sporting events and things like that
1: yeah the, the uh, you know the moving moving product but away from your core audience is a you know is a kind of a good point is like, are we, are we, I, tr- I believe that there's a bunch of folks that, you know, they're just, that's a, that's an asset, you know, that's a diversified asset for them and that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and, and so once you treat it as that, then the, right, the kid, the 30 year olds that are, that are out there getting a promotion are not, are not necessarily going to think about that, uh, they're going to go back and, and think about. Watches from their childhood or, or aspirational things from their childhood, and that and that and they may not be that.
0: This was just the start of a conversation. I think it's quite an interesting conversation, but it, we just wanted to share how our tastes uh, or our opinions on things have changed as we got more into watches. Just spurned from this uh, conversation I had at work. Let us know on the Facebook group. If there's any that you that we missed that you change your mind on, and or join us on the Discord. All the links are in the the show notes here. As always, we appreciate listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.